Welcome to the Queen Trail Podcast. Meditation doesn't have to be sitting still and having an empty mind. The journey is such a beautiful thing because we are all on a journey. You want to make sure you have some kind of distribution plan, at least have an idea of it, because you can make this really amazing film and it only gets seen by your family and friends. Old Hollywood is still intact. Every horse runs hard, but when they win, and they know it. They've got this little sass about them. It was pretty rough. I had to go into the water and with my med pack, swim to the beach, treat these guys, put them on my back, swim out to the helo. And I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen those before. And I said, what are those? And before I could even finish the sentence, she said, oh my God, you didn't touch them, did you? Even if monarchs go away and we never see one again, because there never will be monarchs again if they die out, it is just a little indicator of larger threats my dad said, so what were you guys doing in the desert? I said, we were taking nude photos. Hey everybody, welcome back. I hope you had a great week since the last time that we got together. I got a bunch of messages requesting another lists with Sophia. So that's what you're going to get this week. I'm going to get right to it because we spent a lot of time going off topic <laughs> as usual. Um, there are some really good questions here. I think we covered four of them, but we went super far off topic on several of them. So we're going to be covering questions ranging from the dinner guests that we would like to rehearsing before making telephone calls. You know, somehow we went off subject onto awards that are given to students. So there's going to be a whole section on how those awards have affected Sophia's trajectory through school. She's currently going to college. Also, whether we want to have a 30-year-old brain at 90 or a 30-year-old body at 90. And our secret hunches on how we're going to die. So this was a really interesting and fun talk with Sophia. I hope that you will grab a cuppa and join us in this new episode of in the company of friends with Sophia. Enjoy. Hey everyone. I have been asked to make another list with Sophie. Hello. And so here we are. We've got a list today from the Berkeley Wellbeing Institute. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, we kind of come upon these randomly, but we're going to get right into it. Oh, I'm also here with the cats. They will probably be interrupting as usual. The first question, Sophia, is given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? I feel like I would want to have dinner with Jack Black. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> I don't know, I just, I, just saw, <laughs> I just saw the interview with him and Chris Pratt and Kelly Clarkson, I think, and it's like everyone's dressed in like normal like attire and then it cuts to him and he's in a Bowser costume and I don't know, he just seems like a cool guy. He was a childhood hero kind of in a way. I think it'd be really cool to talk to him and be like, what's up? Like, how's it going, man? You know, I just, he seems like a cool, chill person to be around. I feel like he really wants to make the world happy, you know, in his personal life. It's not just on film. Whenever I see anything that features him, 
he's always going out of his way to be really kind and funny. I I think he can't help being funny. Yeah, yeah. He's just an entertaining guy. Yeah, that would be a really fun dinner. Um, If I could have dinner with anybody, gosh, that's such a good question because it's like just one person. Yeah. Now I'm thinking, okay, well, would I want to have dinner with a celebrity? Would I want to have... So we were just talking about Naval Ravikant. Mm-hmm. I would love to have dinner with Naval Ravikant. He has such an incredible way of thinking about the world, solving problems and really nailing down what the issue is, but also the solution that goes along with it and provides actionable steps while at the same time admitting this is going to be really hard to get there. And here's Mm -hmm. all of the issues that led up to creating this big problem and why we need to just make like a big 180 degree turn here from the path that we're taking because to continue on this path is just going to be to continue the problem. And that sounds less funny than having dinner with Jack Black. (laughs) But I feel like those are the conversations that we really need to be having most of the time. I mean, clearly, we need to have a lot of fun in life, too. It's it's meant to be lived. We're meant to laugh and enjoy each other and connect with each other, um, which is what having dinner with somebody is all about, is having that connection. But I think that there's a lot of um, real life situations that we need to be focusing on much more than we are as a society right now, I think, with the distractions of social media and other media, so that while we're spending all this time scrolling, like even I get stuck scrolling as much as I say I'm not going to, I'm going to be really cognizant of this, I'm going to like stay off of my phone. And the way that the algorithms work on these social media platforms is that they keep feeding me more of what I want, you know? So for example, we're going to be going to Korea. If I click on something that is going to teach me some words in Korean, all of a sudden, I have a bunch of other channels or pages that are going to teach me something different in Korean, or, you know, here's the places that you should go. And it's just like, all of a sudden, my whole feed is Korea and writing and podcasts and people like Naval Ravikant. So to me, it's very educational in the things that I'm currently interested in. But that makes it really hard to put it down because it's like, oh, here's one more little piece of information. It's like it feeds you that breadcrumb, right? So when you're doing that, when I'm doing that, I'm not really thinking about real life situations, the future, where do I want to go? What are the things that I need to do? What is the life that I'm looking to live? And how can I achieve that? What are the actionable steps? Because I'm like, look, we need to go to this market when we get to Korea. And that's important too. But I'm just saying I would want to have dinner with somebody Somebody like that, because I think those are the things that we really need to be talking about in addition to laughing. Yeah, social media is simultaneously extremely helpful and frightening. Because it's like you just get sucked into that algorithm. And most of the social media companies, they've taught the algorithm so well that they don't know how to stop it. 
Like, literally, like, YouTube doesn't know what's going to get on its trending page because they have built such a good algorithm that it is just doing its own thing at this point. And they, like, literally can't stop it. The same thing with, like, TikTok and all this stuff. And so it's, like, when you seek information out, you get it on all of your social medias, especially because of Google, because it's so intertwined with everything else. And even if you just speak about it, even if you're not even typing it in a search bar, it still comes up and it's like, oh... You were looking for Cups. a random, pr- yeah, the like mugs. a mug. Here's here's a slideshow of mugs on your Instagram. <laughs> Go through them. Look, ooh, add, add. Yeah, um, we were just looking for mugs. We have this horrible collection. Okay, it's, and it's kind of embarrassing to even talk about it. But I had huge collections of beautiful matching everything in the kitchen for a really long time. And over the years, you focus on other things. So like mugs started breaking. And I have been complaining about the pitiful Motley collection of mugs that have been in the cupboard. I think we have like five random, very random. I've never purchased mugs that have sayings on them but they've been gifted to us. We've got this one mug that is a stoneware mug. I got it as a gift from Chase Bank because (laughs) they had forgotten to have me sign some paperwork and asked me to come back. And then that was the gift. I thought it was really nice of them to give it to me. And you know, nice mug too. Nice (laughs) and sleek and black. And it's got like a matte like Chase logo on it. It's like super nice. It is a big a really nice mug but it says chase (laughs) and then after cameron joined the military somebody gave me this nice mug that it's got all of this saying on there about heroes and i thought it was really nice but you know you stick it in the microwave and it gets like fire poker hot i'm like (laughs) there is like lead in here there's you know like i should not be putting this mug anywhere near my lips Oh, we have a couple. Ginsburg mugs. Yes, we have a pair of RBG I Descent mugs that were also a gift. But they're kind of small. And then the one Venus de Milo mug that's left over from the collection. And it's a very beautiful, beautiful, but it's tall, slender, and tiny. And I'm just constantly going, these mugs need to be replaced. And I hate shopping. And it's just a pain. And I'm like super busy, you know, like everybody else is. It just it just seems like there's certain things that keep getting backburnered because you're too busy to bother with that. And you have the convenience of ugly mugs to choose from. And anyway, I finally got around to it and yeah, ordered these mugs. beautiful false graph mugs with a with a lovely rustic daisy or maybe like Mm. chamomile flowers and leaves pattern on them and they're just feel solid solid they feel so good in your hands and they're just beautiful to look at so (laughs) all of a sudden our social media feeds at least mine were definitely filled with mugs it's like Mm -hmm. look this company has these mugs available and yeah, it's always funny like i almost think it's kind of ironic like you'll spend like 
an hour looking for mugs. It's like your first time ever looking for mugs. And then you'll purchase something and Google knows that you purchased something because you get an email to your Google Gmail. And then you get ads for weeks on end about mugs and you're like, you know that I already bought some. Like, why are you advertising this to me as if I need 60 different mugs? Like, it's so stupid. It's so precise, yet useless at the same time, yeah. right? It's like, I've already completed the necessary action and now you're just cluttering my life with information yeah. that is no longer relevant. Yeah. Wouldn't you think this would be smarter? Like That's, you know, that's why we get so stuck on social media. When I'm not getting this no longer relevant information, which might be interesting enough for me to click on it and go, oh my God, look at these mugs. We should have gotten these mugs, you know, yeah, so now decision I'm, fatigue. Yeah, now I'm wasting time on that. But when that's not happening, they put random, very, very random, super bizarre, like, why is this even on my page ads that are that are <laughs> clickbait, you know, and mostly I ignore them. I know that they're there for that. You know, I've had friends post stuff like, why would Facebook be targeting me Facebook for... Facebook has weird ads, though. I don't know what's up with their advertising, but you can get, like, really weird ads on Facebook. Yeah. That you can't really get anywhere else. Yes, they're super bizarre, and I've thought the same thing, like, why the heck? Or it'll be some weird section of a whole picture. So you're just getting a little bit... And it's a really weird thing in my brain. Like if it if it looks sexual or whatever, I'm just like, whatever, you know, I can skip past it. But if it looks vague and obscure and random that I can almost figure out what it is, but I don't know what it is. And then my brain starts going, you must know what it is. You must actually know what it is. Then I'm going to be clicking on it. And I'm like, it's just a random plastic thing that someone's going to throw away and two months yeah, yeah you know i yeah i get very irritated with those ads anyway see look at look at how much time talking about the waste of time that social media creates that just vacuum that sucks you in we've spent just on this episode and that's just a little bit of how big of a problem it is before you make a telephone call do you ever rehearse what you're going to say and why uh, yeah, because I have anxiety. Um, <laughs> I'm part of the, the generation that's like, oh, this is my first time that I've made a doctor's appointment on my own, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm like 22 and I'm like, oh, I have to call my dentist and talk to them? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just there's something about phone calls that I really, especially like to professional businesses, also, it's like if you haven't had that flow of how a conversation goes, it's kind of hard because if they ask you a question and you're like, I don't know the answer to that, it just gives me anxiety. And then I'm just like, oh, God, what if I mess up? And they're like, oh, this stupid young kid like Aww. doesn't know how to talk. But then I'm like, also, like, I would get phone calls at work. And I've been on the other side of it, and I know that people aren't thinking that. But it's just like in my head where I'm like, I have this anxiety that people are going to judge me. And I'm like, I have to be like, what am I asking for? Like, I have to be on What's going to happen? What is this person going to ask me? When am I available? 
there's so many questions that go into making an appointment, especially like haircuts or dental care or, you know, anything like that. I'm like, oh God, what is this person going to tell me? I do not want to call them. Even restaurants, like... I'm like, oh I don't want to call them Sophia. and make an order. Like, I'm like, I'd rather be like, you have online. Can I order this online somehow? I don't want to talk to anybody. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think we need to have you talk to <laughs> somebody <laughs> to reduce that anxiety. You know, it, it makes me a little bit sad to hear that as your mom because it makes me feel like I was doing too much when when you know that I value independence in others so much like I don't want to be other people's mother not you not you and Cameron mm-hmm. but I mean like I don't want to be the person that other people completely depend on for mundane daily things that people that other that everybody should be able to do you should be able to schedule things you should be able to make your own food. You should be able to get on a, a navigation system. Mm-hmm. You should be able to look up a telephone number. These are, I'm just thinking of things that I've been asked to do in just the last couple of days. And I feel like when I was raising you guys, I felt like it was super important to challenge you guys to figure out how to do daily life things. So that if I were to not be here tomorrow, you would know what to do. Mm-hmm. You well, know, I, mean, I still I still call, but it's just it takes a lot of energy for me to do it. Yeah, you know? and I'm trying to figure out how we reduce that. And I'm not at all saying, oh, you know, this is horrible that you're doing that. You know, like this is a big problem. It's not. It's just that this is one of the things that I'm always talking about when I see other parents doing too much for their kids. Because, you know, my saying, which is nobody's going to care about what's important to you more than you you do. And the next person that's going to care about it that much is maybe me. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to figure out how to do that. And I know that you completely have. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. that you failed in any way. It's just that it's, okay, what could I have done different? Because I think it's kind of like a learning moment for other parents who maybe are listening to this because there's no manual on how to be a good parent. You know, we just have to muddle along each one of us. We're all parenting, but we're parenting different people and we're parenting in different situations and, and with different perspectives of what's important. Each of us has something that's that's important, but different than the other person. And, you know, a lot of it is based on how we were raised, what we grew up with, what we would like our kids to be able to do. And I think that, you know, I've mentioned this before that I was listening to that one doctor. I think this was like one single podcasts and it wasn't even they I don't think podcasts were out at the time I was listening to a radio episode with this one doctor this psychologist Dr. Stephen Marmer and he had said during that episode several things but one of them was as a parent you're going to make mistakes there's going to be a million mistakes that you're going to make because again there's no you're a human manual being. well there's no manual there's well, like like you're a human being you know like i don't think any human can even if there was a perfect way to raise a child i don't think a human being could do it because we are flawed just inherently 
as parents and as kids. Yeah, you know, like it's it's as people. So you've got a human trying to raise another human. And sometimes your visions just don't match, you know, of course. And then, you know, the whole purpose of raising kids is for them to go off into the world and be successful. And you've got to put those skills and tools into the hands of your kids. And sometimes that means that you're totally clashing with each other. And that's okay, because those moments are very educational. And they're the ones that mold that independence and the boundaries, it creates a line on individuality. And I think that you need to nurture that too. But I I don't know where this came along along the way. But I feel like it's kind of a generational thing like my generation. What am I ex? Yeah. Somewhere along the line, Gen X decided (laughs) that we really needed to coddle our kids, that we needed to be their be all end all. And I don't know if that was like a Martha Stewart thing that happened, Oprah Winfrey You know, I'm just going back to that time period, the people who were the most influential. In like the 90s. In the 90s. were having kids. Yes. Mm -hmm. Ann Geddes came out with all of her cute, adorable little babies and pea pods and nests and all, you know, those were like so cute, the little flower babies and... And just this idea that these little human beings were so precious that we needed to make sure that their every step was cleared of anything that they could stumble over. And we just needed to really, really take care of these kids. And I completely agree with part of that. They are so precious and wonderful. And like, I really saw that in you guys. But at the same time, the one thing that I personally saw, because I didn't buy into that, was that if I am not here tomorrow, I needed to imbue you guys with those skills. And I think it's really paid off in a lot of ways. Like, you know how to cook. You know how to navigate downtown Los Angeles and any new place that we go to. Like, you're not afraid to just get out there and explore. And you're also aware enough that you know how to balance that, right? Yeah, I went to New York and I'm like, oh yeah, we just keep walking. Yeah, you know how to make these phone calls. Mm -hmm. You know how to get through school. I Mm -hmm. feel like if I wasn't here tomorrow, you wouldn't love it, but also... (laughs) I'd survive. You'd survive, right? Yeah. And clearly Cameron would Just completely what you would survive. hope for your offspring after you spent so much time caring about them. And I think a lot of people will survive without, you know, their parents being quite as conscious of, this is what you really need to know. Here's the basics, or at least what I consider the basics. And again, you get into that whole realm of what's important to me might not be important yeah. to another parent to provide but their kids. Like raising somebody who is competent. I feel like competence is severely lacking in a lot of people. And it's like there's a lot of people that you can't rely on because you know that they will not be able to get the job done. Like, they just don't, they don't get it. I feel like competence is, like, a really important skill to have. What are some examples? Like, you've seen it in school and at work, now that you've had the opportunity to have a few jobs. Yeah, 
some people are so like blissfully unaware of society and it like hurts to see that sometimes and people will do things and you just kind of look at them and you're like like what's up with that like like what do you mean like okay like she had never been to a museum we were the first people to take her to a museum and we took her to like venice beach we were walking down venice and like i know how to walk through people i just keep walking like they're like oh cds here have this thing oh come into my shop like i'm just like whatever like i'm like no thank you bye like have a good day and i like turn around to talk to her and she's like 10 feet away talking to some guy who's trying to sell her a CD. And I walk back over to her and I'm like, no, thank you. I like grab her arm and I keep walking. And it, it's like one of those things where I was like, oh, like all people have this skill of just being able to just like walk through and like not be caught up with random people. I was like, oh, like it's like social awareness and this like understanding of how society behaves and how people behave. It's hard to find people who understand that and can walk through a city and can also navigate a workplace and stuff. Like that's just like one example of something that I was kind of just like, huh? It's different levels of discovery, but Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to be able to develop that spirit of adventure, curiosity within people and then just also that dependability within them right that sense of responsibility that if i'm responsible for this part of a project it is my responsibility to get it done and i think that's built up by having your kids do their own homework Mm -hmm. or sure there are times when you know schedules are so busy and packed and it's like okay wait a minute what is the priority here? There, There's certain things that are really important. And then there's certain things that we just really, really want to do. And it's just like, oh, I don't want to give up the things that I really want to do. But for my kid, this is what the priority is for them. And sometimes it means giving up stuff you really want to do that would be fun. That would also be an enrichment increase the kids connection with cultural things and other skills other skills that will also be important in real life but there are foundational skills that are not so exciting but the kids really need to participate in Mm -hmm. and I think that as adults sometimes we forget that you can't skip past all of those steps and you have to expose them yeah to those things doesn't mean putting your life on hold you know life is dynamic at the same time that you're trying to raise kids who are going to grow up and be successful and forge their own path shit's happening the world, the world is still spinning <laughs> the world is still spinning people are coming in and out of your lives opportunities are coming in and out of your lives disasters happen it's just like there's a lot there's a lot and especially it just seems like the world is spinning faster but just going back to this idea of coddling i don't know where it came from but you know our generation has created another generation who is now trying to navigate through what we taught them and and i think it's like every generation does this like you know what are the things that we can throw away What are the things that we should hang on to? What are the things that I'm hanging on to that I should have gotten rid of? It's not that any parent is particularly terrible for having used something that's less than ideal as a parenting tool. 
It's just that that's what they were taught. And when you become aware as an adult that, you know, maybe what the adult who raised me did, did not provide the best opportunity for success for me. Maybe I shouldn't use that on my child. Let me figure out something different. And also really looking at the individuality of your child, because you're also not raising a clone of yourself. You're raising a completely unique, different, never before been here human. So what is important to this little human who is going to eventually grow up and be an adult? How do I provide the best opportunity for success? So you might be coming up with something totally new and different than what your parents used to raise you. And it might be the best thing since sliced bread, or it might just be like a throwback to caveman days or something, you know, in terms of how that child will deal with the world. So yeah, Yeah, there's a really good TED talk. People have probably seen it. It's about grit. And she talks about how struggling through things is extremely important for development. If you don't fail, like, if you never hit rock bottom, you don't think that there is a bottom. And if somebody is just coming along and picking you up, what happens when they're gone? Like you said, like, what happens if I die tomorrow? Like, I would still be okay, but some people have coddled their kids so much that they're just going to fall flat on their face and never be able to get up. I remember in school especially, we would get participation awards and it was always kind of weird because that's like, oh my God, you participated. And it's like, it is important to participate in things, but I don't think we need to give kids awards for it. And then now like boomers and Gen X make fun of us for getting participation awards when like you guys were the people who gave them to us. Well, if it started with the Gen Xers providing these participation awards, and and I think it all comes from a good place. It's like, Mm -hmm. we want to create excitement. We want to let these kids know that their best effort is being noticed. But now you've got this generation, you're a Z. Mm -hmm, Z, yeah. What's Cameron, a millennial, right? No, he's, he's on the cusp. But he's technically a Gen Z. He's also Gen Z. Okay. I think 95 is the cutoff. So now you've got Gen Z. You're the grown generation. The Gen Zs are the next adults coming into society. Yeah. And they're like, why did we get all of those dumb prizes? And actually what I do see a lot of kids doing is their parents have kept all of these prizes. I had so many perfect attendance awards, which again was a You thing. had perfect attendance? Like a lot. And it was kind of weird. Like a kid cannot drive. A child cannot drive themselves to school. Like, why are we giving an award for them being here every day? It goes to the parents. Yeah, it's like, give it to the mom (laughs) being like, oh, I'm glad you brought your kid here, even though it's legally mandated that you do them. They might have been for like a... I mean, they're for like semesters. They're not for the entire year. Right. I was going to say they were probably for a semester. Because I know that I would pull you guys out. Perfect attendance is not a goal that you need to strive for. Yeah, for a third grader. For Well, I mean... (laughs) For for anything, you know, that's not the goal. I have been here every single day, rain or shine, sick or not. I don't think that that is a valuable goal to strive for. But you could also take it to a serious extreme where it's, okay, well, school is not important. Education is not important. 
you've got to find a good balance. And sometimes there are things that are really important that supersede education for that day. I just, what I see is that people are just throwing them away because at a certain point you get so many of these awards just for doing what you're expected to do that they become meaningless or that's the only thing that drives effort. It's just like anything that you do is going to have its pros and its cons, right? Yes. It came from a good place. We want kids to feel appreciated because school is hard. Mm -hmm. It's just like, (laughs) gosh, it's hard. But there's that opposite side of it where at a certain point it could become meaningless or it could be the solitary driving force for effort. And that latter one creates a serious problem in society later on because once you become an adult and you have to work and you have to earn money to be able to pay all of your bills you're not getting awards anywhere yeah for just for your effort just for your effort so um you know again i think that there needs to be a balance and it's not necessarily with the schools as a parent you have to say hey that's great you still have to do your homework tonight wow you got another one fantastic (laughs) (laughs) i don't think you guys kept most of yours and you know like i said a lot of my friends who now have kids in their 20s and have held on to these accolades over the years their kids are just going what am i going to do with this and yeah. they're they're trashing them, you yeah, know. Even the ones that are like, oh, you had the 3.0 GPA. Like, yeah, it shaped me, but I don't really need this piece of paper to go, you were a good kid in middle school, you know, congrats. So I'm glad you said that because I don't want to just beat on these awards and make them seem like... My middle school gave out little pins and we would put them on our backpacks. They were different colors for like the GPA you had. And it was, oh, like, I want to be like so-and-so because they had like a 4.0. And... Those awards might be at that time when you're in the trenches of trying to get through a school year, (laughs) right? Especially in middle school. I mean, that's such a hard time, I think, in everybody's lives because your hormones are changing at that point. You're transitioning from being a child into being a teenager and the expectations on your life are changing. You know, it, it could be a pretty turbulent time. And so just being able to have that award is why they are provided. School's really hard when you're in it. Here's something great to give you. It'll help you move forward. So how did you feel when you got an award? The GPA ones were nice. A lot of the times they would come with like a, have a pizza party or like have lunch with the principal. Like that was, I would say more rewarding and enriching than like the perfect attendance awards. Because I would just be like, oh, just felt like pointless in a way. And I'm like, I get that being there every day is important. And but it's like if I didn't get the GPA award, I just kind of felt like almost like a fake. Like it kind of felt like fraudulent that I even got an award in a weird way. Like, especially in middle school where I was like, oh, my friends got 3.0, 3.5. Well, what about when you got uh, the library? Oh, yeah, we read 10,000 words, I think. Like, every semester we'd have a little party at the end and whoever read that many words. That was fun, though. 
Like, again, I feel like the, the parties, and I feel like what was more rewarding was seeing your work actually mean something. When, like, I felt like perfect attendance was kind of just like a, oh, yeah, like, I was here. And being like, So oh, do you yes. think that awards still should be provided to kids? And for what specifically and at what frequency should those awards be provided? Maybe even two, because this would be in addition to those two questions, mm-hmm. like what requirements would make an award more meaningful to the student and also provide a greater chance of independence and success in the future to that student. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. <laughs> well, I think I think like the GPA ones are like really important and I think having like a substantial prize at the end, like having food, what was more like fun or exciting or being like, "Oh, like I want to get an A on this test so that I can have pizza with huh. the principal." I feel like those were more meaningful. How did receiving those awards promote your success or contribute to your success in later years, middle school and high school and now college? I mean, you just got accepted to how many universities? Seven. Uh, San Francisco State, Dominguez Hills, Long Beach, Cal State, Northridge, Monterey, Channel Islands. There's always one I miss. I don't remember. So you got accepted to all of those. Do you think that those awards contributed to your success in continuing to be a good student and how so? Um, I think so. I think it shows independence. Anything you set your mind to, you can do. Like it, it promotes that. If you finish this in class, then you get a good grade on the test and then you get a good GPA and then you can graduate and move on and then you can go to college and get A's and be part of the honor society. And like, I feel like it promotes like independence in children. I do think awards are important, but I think they need to have like putting in the work and like having that grit of of being able to get through things is more important. Like seeing everything that you put into a project and finally seeing it at the end is extremely satisfying. I think that's what made those things more important than like a participation award. That's great. Wow. We really went off the actual question, which <laughs> which was before you make a telephone call, do you rehearse what you're going to say? Just as a podcaster, I do rehearse. I do a lot of research. It's not the same as a telephone call, but I make sure that I've got some so background. Like if you were calling your dentist, like you would just dial them up, right? Yes. If I'm calling my dentist, I do just dial them up. I just actually did that because I owe $23 as my copay for teeth cleaning or something. And our dentist is right next to the store that we go shopping at. And so I threw the bill back in December, I think, (laughs) into my purse. And I thought, the next time I go to the store, I'm just going to shoot over there and pay those $23. They're so wonderful. They never called me to say. (laughs) They're very nice. I know. They're so nice. 
So I finally just pulled the bill out of my purse for the 90th time. And so I called them and said, hey, I owe you $23. Can I pay for it over the phone? So yeah, you know, I didn't really think about it. I don't get stressed out, but maybe it's because I've made so many phone calls at this point in my life to make appointments, right? Mm -hmm. And I also had to do a lot of thinking when you guys were very young in answering those questions because you get to the doctor's office and they're always like, what day, what time, which doctor, what's going on with your child, what's their date of birth, what's your social security number, blah, 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 blah. Like you start expecting all of those questions. So, you know, it's probably like just a little bit of practice for you. And, you know, by the time you're quite elderly like I am, you'll have it down pat. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's like what you said earlier where it's like you're on the other side of it, but like you have to still teach your kids sometimes. It's like that you don't know how to add things until you get taught, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like looking on the other side, you're like, oh, this is an easy task. Someone on the opposite side is like, no, this is like difficult. You know, when somebody's really good at whatever it is that they're doing, whether it's just something minor as making a phone call or something that actually requires skill and knowledge and education and experience behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anything in life. When somebody is good at whatever it is, minor to large, they make it seem really easy. Yeah. And so that encourages you to try it yourself. And the first time you try anything, you're patently aware that you're trying whatever that skill is. Mm Mm-hmm based on the modeling of somebody else who seemed to pull it off flawlessly. And now you're thinking about, well, what do I do next? How do I copy that? So you're going to encounter new things at that time. You know, that could contribute a little bit to anxiety. But I think we've all been there. And hopefully the next time that you have to call the dentist or make your hair appointment or anything like that. Okay, so the next time you call the dentist, one thing that I would say is remember that the people on the other side of the phone are one, they're there to help, and two, they're just normal people who happen to be the ones that are answering the phone. Most of them are really super nice and I know part of it too. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out here because sometimes receptionists are not very nice and (laughs) (laughs) y'all that answer phones you need to remember that the people that are calling, some of them are kids who are doing it for the first time. Some of these people are quite elderly. Some of them have language barriers. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why being nice and kind on a phone call is really important. And I think that it's our jobs We all have a responsibility living in a society to make it as pleasant as we possibly can because we all have to live here together. And if we're promoting kindness as the example of the day, it's going to encourage the person that we just interacted with to be kind to another member of society. And that eventually pays off and, you know, makes the world a better place. And and there's a lot of really wonderful people that I run into all the time that are complete strangers that go out of their way to be super nice and just make me have so much more faith in society but then you know then there's one person you're like oh god why why did i ever think we would change (laughs) that happens yeah. yeah um 
Okay, let's see. I'm just going to look at one more question because we've been talking for a really long time and just totally went off of this subject of this question. If you were able to live to the ripe old age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? I think... See, it's, it's a question of mobility versus brains. This is pretty much like a bronze versus brains question, right? Yes, that is a really great way to look at it. But what it's also what, do, not just even brawn, I would say living in Los Angeles, we put so much emphasis on aesthetics. Yeah, that was also my immediate thought where I was like, Oh, but like if I looked like a 30-year-old, even though I'm 90. Do you want to be... There would be some cognitive dissonance I feel like you would go through, especially if you were like, oh yeah, I'm 90 and you look like the celebrity that's like popular at the time. That'd be really like hard The to... portrait of Dorian Gray moment. It, it'd be, yeah, or like, uh, what's his, what's the guy who ages backwards? Benjamin Buttons. It'd be kind of like a weird one of those where it's like you're wise and but you look like you're 15, you know, like, or you could be 30 years old and doddering, you know, if I guess it just depends. It's one of those questions where you would have to also have a crystal ball and they've removed that crystal ball. When I'm 90 years old, will I have some sort of cognitive decline that I should be aware of now before I make this choice? And I think that for me in particular, my concern, having worked in healthcare and seeing just some really brilliant people, and I think we see it a lot more now too, like there's there's more stories about people like Bruce Willis, uh, right? Yeah. Who, yeah. Who's, so sad. who's stumbling right into dementia. We have seen some of his most brilliant acting. Um, and I don't know that I, I don't know that I use the right medical term there, but he's he's definitely got cognitive decline. But the point is that whether we've seen it from a medical vantage point or a personal one or through the media now that is much more open about these things happening, I have a serious concern about that, you know. And I think a lot of people do you want to be able to do things now? that you remember in your later years, you want to be able to sit down and have stories with people and be fully engaged and aware and conscious of what you're doing and saying. And to not be able to do that would be really terrible. And so I think I would have to say, I don't care if I have a million wrinkles that I have earned by that point in my life, I'd want the brain of a 30 year old. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of like um, a good example would be like Stephen Hawking, where like he was mentally there, but his body was not able to function in the way that like, quote unquote, normal people do. And I, I think either one that you choose would be a difficult situation because say like you fall at 60 and then you're you're wheelchair bound, but you still have the brain of a 30 year old and you're like, oh, like I can do anything, you know, but you physically can't. 
or you're not mentally there, but you look like you're physically there. But now that you brought up Stephen Hawking's, look at the amazing things that he was able to do despite his physical limitations. And so I think... I think it would be better to have the brain, though, rather than the body. Because there's people with uh, physical disabilities that do things that I'm like, like, oh my god, like, that's, that's something I would never have done. I've seen wheelchair skiers. Yeah. So I don't think that the world is as limited to people who have physical limitations as we able-bodied people believe that you know that being in a wheelchair that losing a limb that breaking a bone i mean all of that is not to say that i don't appreciate my mobility at all or my health but i think that in the context of this question the limitations are not as grave or great as we believe that they are as somebody who can you know just get up and pack a bag and travel to Korea and know that it would be really easy to walk around. You know, I'm part of this travel group, which is really wonderful. Anybody who's going to travel, I'm just going to throw this out there. Join a travel group to the country that you're planning to go to. And they're usually private groups. You have to get accepted in by the admin. They're so wonderful. They answer a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions posed that are the same exact questions that you might have. And then people who have traveled to those countries, live in those countries, or just are experts in whatever that question is, will respond and it will make your travel so much easier. But one of the things that I do notice in this group is the questions come up a lot. I'm traveling to Korea with my mom or somebody else who is wheelchair bound what are the places we can go? What is what is wheelchair accessibility or ADA accessibility like in Korea? And people come on and answer that they're really not going to have a lot of trouble accessing most of the tourist places, most of the places that you want to see when you get there. And I think that a good portion of the world, I don't want to say all of it, but a good portion of where we can travel to is like that. So the fact that you might be physically limited as a 90 year old, but have the brain of a 30 year old, I think that if you can, you know, there's that saying, if you can imagine it, you can do it. Yeah. And having that kind of cognitive clarity and and not just that, you know, like thinking back to when I was 30, that youthful hopefulness that you had for the future, you know, there was there's still a lot of that. And I think some of that gets dulled a little bit as you age because of negative experiences in your life. Yeah. But then again, when you start to look at people who are older than you, or the upcoming generation, they provide a lot of value and a lot of good things to life. Some of that gets redeemed, you know. So I think at 90 years old, to have that kind of youthful expectation and belief that things are going to be well and just creative ability would be great. Yeah, I agree. Having the brain of a 30 year old would be better Yeah. than the body. I actually have to ask you one more question. Only because there was this funny thing that you did when I said it the first time. 
So uh, just going back to that telephone call question, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say before a telephone call? Well, we kind of, I wanted to go over this list a little bit. And and I told Sophie, don't answer any of these. I'm just going to tell you what the questions are. There's a lot. This is a really good list. We'll do this one again. Um, Do you have a secret hunch about how you will die? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I have always felt like I'm going to die in a car crash. And I know that's... (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's there's just something where it's like we're driving and I just have this weird feeling where I'm like, yeah, this is this is I don't or like maybe I died in a car crash in my previous life. Like, I don't know. I, it just might just be anxiety, but I'm just like I just have a feeling. So there's this like little thing where I'm like, this is scary. Which like yeah, it is because you're driving a two ton hunk of steel around you know but uh yeah that's how i feel like i'm gonna die in a car accident Mm-hmm. i always have felt like i'm going to die one of my crazy adventure things you know like how many times have i come back from something and you're like thank god i didn't go with you yeah so you know almost drowning crossing <laughs> the ocean near Canada through the San Juan Islands in a kayak in the middle of a freak storm. And I remember I was gonna, I I wanted to buy extra tickets for you and Cameron to come along because I thought, oh, it would be really great to kayak, have the kids along and see orcas following the salmon run through there, right? Which would be cool to see. But you guys almost died. Well, I, <laughs> and I don't think I had ever been kayaking. No, you guys. I knew you guys would have. You guys would have probably died. I really feel like you guys would have died. That would have been a horrible trip for you guys <laughs> to be part of. And I thought that in the middle <laughs> of you know, fighting these waves and trying not to die myself. And then there was that time when we rappelled up that cliff because we'd gotten oh, yeah. off the off the beaten path, and there were yeah, there were ropes. ropes and neckties and belts and you know scarves and yeah. I don't know what that were tied from the top of this cliff and around some pipe that went through the middle and around some the Trees. the trunks of some yeah. really sturdy bushes and we just got there and we hiked for a really long time to get there through brush and stuff and I was like I'm not turning around and so I remember I just walked up this cliff I I, you know rappelled up it to make sure because I was the heavier of all of us and it was pretty sturdy so (laughs) then you know here comes Cameron who didn't care one way or another you know he came up and then I remember we were both I had my hands on the lip of this cliff looking down at you (laughs) and you started to come up with just all of the confidence that my mom knows and I'm trusting her. And I thought, oh my God, there's going to be a story in the paper tomorrow. Mom in ICU, kids dead. And then the whole story about how ridiculous it was that I expected this. But they, there's a saying, there's a saying that it is a fine line between courage and stupidity. <laughs> yeah. And that fine line is whether you succeed or you fail. And 
And I think that another word for courage is adventure. So it doesn't matter how much you plan. You just see a lot of people not doing things because they're so afraid of failure. And in these instances, there's really good reason to be afraid of failure because it can mean your your death. Yeah, the amount of times we've been hiking and I'm like, I might die by sliding down this <laughs> mountain that goes off a sheer cliff. I mean, I haven't. So you haven't. I think there's a lot of planning, but <laughs> I think there's certain things that come with really inherent risks and you have to be aware of them you have to plan for it and you have to make that choice am i going to experience something that's really amazing and might scare the wits out of me but provide an adventure that makes me feel like i'm truly alive and that this is what i was put here for was was to experience these amazing things that are dangerous to be a part of Mm -hmm. And I think you just need to be aware of that because there's, you know, like I said, there's a lot of people who allow their fears to stop them from going on adventures, from really exploring the world. And I hate to see that because sometimes not having to face that line means being the person, you know, just going back to our first question or or the, the first conversation that we had who has never been anywhere. Mm -hmm. other than the four corners around their home. And so do I know, do do I have a hunch how I'm going to die? I've always thought that I am going to die doing something and people are going to come back when they read that story and say, what a stupid idiot that she actually thought that she could do that. What a stupid idiot that she thought she could repel up some cliff wall that had rope and neckties and whatnot tied together well you know what yeah i did and and we did it Mm -hmm. uh does that mean that i was wrong or right no i I don't think it means anything it just means that we did it you know and it's a good memory actually i i think for me it's a good memory but i have done a lot of stuff you know i've jumped out of an airplane i've flown an airplane i've done this kayaking stuff um and i think I think I'm going to keep doing adventurous stuff. I just think it's part of my nature. I've gone on these crazy hikes. And when people say, hey, you want to try this? I always, almost always say yes. I can't think of a time when I said, that is so crazy. I'm not going to try it. Um, I've gone skiing. Where I'm like, yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't really like. I'm not always the one that initiates plans with my friends, but whenever they're like, hey, you want to go do something? I'm like, yes, like, let's go. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, like, yeah, let's leave right now in 15 minutes. I'm always just like, I'm down for whatever, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Down for the ride. Yeah. I think that's a good thing to pass down. You know, um, there's so many amazing there's always something to do there's always something new to do there's always something new to learn and i think saying yes to those opportunities is really important and just knowing there's always inherent risks in anything whether it's staying home and not having the opportunity to experience new things um or being in the pacific ocean (laughs) or being in the pacific ocean and getting hit by a storm while you're in this little teeny tiny boat i mean yeah 
I mean, it's your choice. Anyway, um, I think that's going to be the last question because we really went off on tangents. There are 12 questions here and numerous sets. I mean, there are a lot of, I'm looking at like four sets already of many, many questions. So we'll come back to this list. I'll post the link to it in the show notes. Anything else you want to add? Hope you have been surviving the winter. Oh my gosh, it's been so crazy. I I hate winter. It gets cold and it's dark and it's sad, but it's almost springtime and the days will be longer and the sun will be out and I will be happy. So, and it'll be my birthday. And it'll be your birthday. And yeah, this past winter, for some reason, it was really harsh. The darkness, the darkness was super... But we won't have to go through, well, at least in California, we have decided to keep daylight savings, so we won't have to fall back when that happens. So Into the darkness. Apparently, Congress is talking about keeping it. So Of course. We will see, we will see. Of I course. hope we do, because I hate the short days. It's like the worst thing about winter. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it's midnight at five o'clock in the afternoon. Four thirty, the sun sets, and it's like, why? why? Yeah, yeah. But I have been really enjoying the snow, the unexpected hail, the unexpected, you know, Los Angeles, the the incongruity of it snowing in the middle of LA in Santa Barbara. In Long Beach. Video. There was an avalanche of snow in Palm Springs. Oh my god! It was like it was so like surreal. I'm like that's such an odd thing. Like it's so hot there all the time, and there's an avalanche of snow. Like, and that's really dangerous too. So it's creating a lot of dangerous conditions. Don't go on any crazy hikes. There's one thing. There's one thing that I have stopped myself from because I do want to go and see this beautiful snow. But the yeah, conditions like, do not go up there. They will stop you and turn you around if you don't have chains on your tires. The conditions are so, and even if you have chains, I yeah. think it's it's not a good idea for people who don't normally drive in this weather. So the conditions are a little too dangerous. I am looking at. I'm holding myself back. <laughs> I I realize when a risk is too great, but hopefully we'll be going up soon for a hike. I'm yeah. really looking forward to that. All right. Okay, see you around the house. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I always love spending time with Sophie. She is so much fun to talk to. She's so smart. I always learn so much from her, and I'm just thrilled that I get to call myself her mom. Check out the show notes for links, and please also take a moment to rate this episode. Your ratings really do help move these podcasts closer to the top of searches so that my friends and I can reach more people. I'm looking forward to sharing more upcoming In the Company of Friends talks with you. So please be sure to follow me on the socials and the dot com all at the Queen Trail podcast. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E podcast. I am Syl Annan, the Queen Trow, and until next time, I wish you passion, grace, adventure, great dinners, a long and beautiful life, elegance, and beauty.